Welcome to the Bharat Vartha Weekly. Thank you so much for choosing to skip the news and watch the weekly instead. So this week uh, we have Abhishek Paul joining us in place of uh, Shrivatsa Subarna, who is off on some uh, very pressing duties. Uh, and as usual, I have my friend Ashish Chandorkar as well. Hi Abhishek. Hi Ashish. How are you guys doing? Hi Roshan. Hi Ashish. Doing good. Hey Kariya. Doing good. Nice and cold morning in Bangalore, as I often uh, say. You know. so beautiful weather here plenty uh, to cover in terms of news and events but uh, before that let's uh, do a quick review of uh, the episodes we put out last week uh, we did three episodes in fact uh, last week and all of them pretty good i would say uh, uh, so the ghmc polls was an interesting one right i never thought that you know we'd be able to talk for for close to an hour about a municipal election but then uh, sudhir and uh, rohit did a fantastic job in explaining the significance of the polls right uh, and uh, i think it could be a milestone moment for uh, politics in the region in telangana especially uh, ashish what do you think about the urban rural uh, uh, podcast with abhinav and uh, rohit a uh, fascinating episode uh, both abhinav and rohit have got always got some very unique insights and and the way they analyze uh, indian politics is something to uh, really uh, Uh, follow very closely, and uh, the points made. Uh, of course, this podcast was specifically in the context of the ongoing uh, farm farmer agitation, but uh, the the way they kind of contextualize the macro picture, uh, the fact that uh, Indian politics is kind of captured by rural interests, while the country is rapidly urbanizing, and how that shism is not good for the country, where the urban, uh, I mean, the folks living in cities don't participate enough. while the policies then keep getting skewed towards uh, the rural uh, part of the country uh, that was quite fascinating i think it's a must uh, watch podcast for anyone who is interested in indian politics right uh, so abhishek what do you think about the indian stock markets one yeah so i thought it was a really uh, very very uh, educative and insightful episode uh, both uh, ashish and govind uh, kind of did a back to basics approach right in building grounds up uh, in terms of you know what are the you know asset classes where, where people can invest and uh, one of the important things that they stressed was that people need to keep the goals uh, that they have in mind right while investing mm. so you know you talked about how uh, technology is making things easier but then technology cannot be a substitute for strategic thinking uh, was very well brought out by them right so i think uh, uh, it's definitely another must watch episode especially for those who have an interest you know in, in investing in the stock markets directly or mutual funds or even other instruments right all right let's move on to the first piece of news uh, from last week um, So Prime Minister Modi laid the foundation stone for the new parliament building on Thursday. This new building will cover 64,500 square feet and will cost an estimated 971 crore rupees. It will integrate modern audio-visual communication systems, uh, smart voting and biometrics uh, in meeting halls. The building will begin construction by Tata Projects and is slated to be complete by India's 75th Independence Day in 2022. Ashish uh, lot of talk about the design and everything around it um what do you think about this yeah carry the central uh, vista project uh, which is a all encompassing project uh, which includes uh, the the central vista itself the new parliament uh, which is expected to completed by uh, march uh, 2022 as you mentioned 
the vista will com- will complete by november of next year and then of course the common uh, central secretariat which is part of the project which is uh, march 2024 deadline uh, all of this is being re- packaged into one redevelopment project which has been um, currently under litigation actually i mean supreme court has yet to kind of give a go ahead on the uh, ongoing judicial uh, uh, process there but uh, quite a poignant uh, day to discuss this this today is also the 19th anniversary of the par- attack on indian parliament of 2001 in fact the prime minister is paying tribute to the uh, people who laid their lives in that attack right now as we are live uh, uh, of course he did the bhumi pujan on thursday uh, seems like a year of bhumi pujans for for the pm uh, two two big ones uh, this year uh, this uh, the 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 new parliament will have uh, expanded capacity for both lok sabha and rajya sabha which is actually an indicate indication of the fact that india will at some point go for delimitation the delimitation currently i mean most of our constituencies are sized as per the 1971 census with some re, uh, redrawing happened in 2008 but not a lot um, but um, the uh, the 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 delimitation which was supposed to happen in 2002 uh, there was a act which was passed by the parliament then to move it to 2020 to the next census after 2026 which is in 2031 uh but this act will have to be repealed to increase the size of lok sabha and rajya sabha in the coming years and a new act would have had to be passed but uh, the the new building will have a capacity for 888 members in lok sabha 374 uh, 384 in uh, rajya sabha and uh, the the uh, lok sabha hall will seat uh, 1272 members uh, where all the joint sessions can be held typically which happens at the start of uh, a new parliament session uh the theme uh, of the two houses will vary lok sabha will look like the national bird which is peacock and the rajya sabha will look like the national flower which is lotus uh so uh, pretty pretty important moment because this also uh, uh you know lays to rest the the rumors which keep coming up that indian capital should move out of delhi i mean clearly that's not happening anytime soon um uh, the uh I, and and the fact that uh, the some of the uh, new architecture will have an indian imprint So this is quite interesting because uh, when the original parliament was built, uh, the parliament was actually only sanctioned in 1919 uh, after the Government of India Act was passed by the British, and they wanted to uh, give Indians more participate participation in the governance. But the uh, context of the Delhi development, which is which is when the capital moved from Calcutta to Delhi, was in 1911 when uh, King George V announced the the shifting of the of, of this capital. So at that time, uh, Kerry, um, Lord uh, Hardinge, who was the viceroy then. Uh, had this issue around what kind of architecture should the delhi buildings follow uh, he he was actually one of the proponents to say that there should be an indic touch to the architecture which is that indian uh, you know in, indian imprints should be there on the buildings uh, but uh, uh, surprisingly the the guy who actually opposed that thought was actually lutians edwin lutians who had then flown in in 1912 to create the modern delhi as we see it today and under whose name whose name is abused every day by in 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 the indian social media as 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 a moniker of latians delhi but uh, he was quite opposed to it apparently when he landed in india uh, he wrote a letter to his wife saying there was there's nothing called indian architecture it is all useless type of uh, buildings it's all a hodgepodge and hence the europeans need to teach the indians how to build buildings uh, thankfully uh, lord hardinge then uh, uh, like asked him him and the other architect which was herbert baker to uh, to go to various parts of north india apparently they visited cities like lahore lucknow kanpur indore mandu and they realized that uh, well there was something which they can uh, some ideas which they could borrow and all of that then reflected in the uh, latians delhi buildings and also the parliament 
uh, the parliament as we know today uh, you know is a it's a it, it, it resembles a replica of the uh, i mean it, it looks like a replica of the uh, chosat yogini temple which is uh, in the mitavli village uh, uh, near gwalior uh, in mp and uh, i think that uh, 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 that i mean could be a coincidence because there's no record of uh, the either architect atian or baker actually visiting mitavli but nonetheless uh, there's a striking resemblance and to give it to uh, the madhya pradesh folks because we never uh, shy away from taking credit even when it, when it is not due the oh, apparently sorry. the new parliament uh, design looks like the uh, vijay mandir in vidisha which is a, also a very important uh, temple in the in the local folklore so if you see uh, social media etc the folks of mp are already claiming that the new design also is based on another mp uh, uh, you know uh, architecture uh, uh, like a, like a striking architecture so i'm not sure if that's true uh, again there's no record of data projects having visited uh, vidisha for for the for the design or or any of the uh, folks who did the uh, the the actual uh, uh, the 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 civil design going to vidisha but nonetheless that's the rumor in the local circles uh, but uh, let's see uh, how how this project comes up uh, pretty important for uh the the expansion of uh, i think that that's the headline story that it is quite important for the expansion of the seats in lok sabha and rajya sabha which would then change uh the the politics and of course this will undergo a huge debate in terms of how the delimitation should happen there'll be allegations of uh you know what happens in us around uh, the the constituencies being drawn as per the quote and quote convenience of the government of the ruling ruling party but i think this uh, this will then become a very uh, key debate in the years to come in the next 3 4 years to come right and here i thought we can shake on both uh, bangalore and indore being out of contention for the next capital you know? <laughs> right so we might soon see public wifi access all over the country thanks to a new undertaking known as the pm vani or the wifi access network interface i don't know who comes up with these acronyms but that person is really killing it i mean amazing uh so this network will function using public data offices throughout the country Uh, an application will be deployed to register users and discover vani compliant hotspots uh, in their vicinity companies like facebook and google have tried earlier and failed to offer public wifi services in india and elsewhere abhishek what do you think uh, about uh, the pm vani program i mean considering that you know data consumption is on the rise and we have you know one of the highest in the world i suppose right so what do you think about this yeah so this is a very interesting uh, initiative that has been undertaken now uh before we sort of get into this particular initiative it's important to step back and think of it in terms of part of digital india and also part of uh, the end user sort of use case of uh, the whole bharat net initiative right where Uh, all our panchayats and villages are being you know connected with uh, optical uh, uh, fiber right so now uh, there was a policy document sometime in 2018 called the national digital communication policy and there they had envisaged that by 2020 india would have 50 lakh wifi hotspots and about a 1 crore wifi hotspots by 2022 now nothing like that actually took place right we are barely at about 1 to 2 lakhs somewhere there and the only places where you see public wifi uh, hotspots today are basically airports or as you said google had done the initiative for the railway stations right uh, in incidentally google uh, has now sort of stepped back out of that uh, and 
the kind of uh, allowing railnet to kind of take take it over uh, with google uh, when they sort of stepped back they said that you know with uh, uh, the mobile uh, networks and mo- uh, 4g and all that becoming so prevalent and cheap that perhaps the use case was no longer there for india right so now when we talk and if you see the news items uh, pm vani talks about the news often talks about free uh, you know uh, wifi hotspots to sort of come up everywhere so that's not exactly what is going to happen right so it's not a grand scheme of making entire cities have uh, government paid for wifi right like with some other countries outside india have like for example uh seoul in south korea is undertaking such an initiative where you know the entire city would would be like a wifi hotspot but the important thing to note is that in outside india the uh, data charges are significantly higher right while in india uh, the thanks to jio uh, mainly uh, data is very cheap and is already you know consumed a lot and if you look at some of the debates that have happened on this topic in the past in india uh, obviously telcos have been of the view that you know public wifi is are you know not safe etc right there are security challenges and so on but basically been kind of against this because this is kind of competing against their own uh, product right so what really this initiative will do is this is uh, so when you talked about it the in- interesting term that you used was pdo right public data office so the government is envisaging it in in sync with what happened 30 years ago with pcos right so any small shop or a kiosk or perhaps a new entrepreneur can today uh, enroll themselves on this platform and open a pdo right a public data office which will then allow hotspot uh, uh, will which will create a hotspot uh, for that locality and then people can sort of uh, do a one time ekyc and then start buying uh, wifi uh, access in very small sort of sachet kind of quantities right so you can take it for a very small limited period of time or a limited amount of data and then uh, use that right so where this could be really interesting and useful is in the rural and semi urban areas where your 4g coverage etc is not so great or it could be very useful for people who are yet you know not really big users of 4g or do not let's say have a home uh, broadband connection because it's too costly right because you can use this wifi for a limited period of time pay as you go kind of a thing right and then uh, what will happen is uh, let's say you are in a sort of small town and you can buy this uh, sort of small packet of uh, wifi access for let's say a week and then you can use it across multiple hotspots in that town right so that's a use case now there have been companies which have sort of developed this in in the recent past there's a uh, there's an article on wifi dabba who uh, an organization who has tried this out right so uh, you know the charges are to be as low as rupees 2 or rupees 5 or rupees 10 right instead of your uh, 800 rupees or 1000 rupees monthly you know packet 
that I mean monthly connection that you buy at home for youngsters or people in the lower income uh, category to access Wi-Fi for limited use cases, this could be really useful. And again, think of it in such a way, right? So suppose you are in a particular street where uh, this is now enabled, uh, your adjoining Darshini now becomes as attractive as your Starbucks, right? Because you, your folks can, you know, sort of now access Wi-Fi sitting or sitting around these locations while having, you know, tea uh, and all, tea coffee and all that, right? So the jugaad that we will see around this, the innovation that will come around this will be immense if you look at it from a yep. local grounds up level. So interesting to see, but of course the skepticism around that will also remain in terms of A, how fast and how much it will grow and B, because India has already, you know, low uh, charges for uh, 4G data. Fantastic. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, the Congress took another big blow with BJP's win in the Rajasthan local body elections. BJP won 1989 seats in the Panchayat Samiti elections, while Congress won 1852. BJP also held an absolute majority in the Panchayat Samiti and Zilla Parishad uh, election as well. The Congress in Rajasthan is currently undergoing a power struggle between Chief Minister Ashok Gelot and Sachin Pilot. Ashish, Another election and another loss for the Congress. Ashish, you're on mute. I, I didn't realize this, but <laughs> so uh, pretty interesting election result, especially in the context of the ongoing farmer agitation. Uh, these polls were all held in uh, rural parts of Rajasthan, uh, where farmers aren't rich compared to their counterparts in, let's say, Haryana or Punjab. So the fact that uh, that obviously wasn't an issue uh, is, is a good commentary on the limitations of the agitation itself. Uh, it has also happened for the first time in 15 years in Rajasthan, the ruling party will have lesser members in rural local bodies and the opposition. Typically, uh, the, op the, the ruling party always has an upper hand because the expectation is that these polls will then, uh, the results will then align with the state uh, government uh, in terms of getting, uh, you know, financial grants and uh, wielding power and so on. So quite, quite a big blow for the Congress in that sense. Uh, BJP won about 46% of the uh, uh, village seats compared to 42% of Congress. And then in the Zilla Parishad, BJP won 56% of the seats compared to just 40% of the uh, con Congress seats. Uh, BJP would have uh, would, would, would uh, take majority in 13 districts and Congress in five. The Although there in several parts which where the Congress is strong, like uh, Jodhpur, Dosa, Alwar, uh, Jaipur, the western, the eastern part of Rajasthan. I think the, the elections did not take place in those parts. So I think that's kind of one excuse for Congress. But also, uh, correspondingly, the elections also did not take place in parts of BJP strong, like in Baran and and uh, Dholpur, etc. So I guess that kind of balances out uh, the the view. And uh, this will thoroughly, uh, you know, uh, fasten the or or increase the uh, internal issues of Congress in the state. While BJP is actually patching up, getting its older leaders back uh, in the fold, uh, like Ghanshyam Tiwari yesterday joined back uh, in the presence of Satish Punia, who's the state president. So, so BJP seems to be consolidating in the state while uh, Congress uh, is still in a bit of a, a, a spot of bother there. Uh, also, the interesting case was that in, in uh, was the Bharatpur, uh, uh, sorry, in, at, in the Dungarpur uh, 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 Zilla Parishad, where Congress and BJP got together to force out uh, BTP, which is the Bharatiya Tribal Party. Uh, they couldn't get their uh, president there uh, uh, as both Congress and BJP voted for a BJP-backed uh, uh, independent candidate. Uh, 
so uh, B- the BTP, which is just been supporting the Gehlot government, uh, has actually taken away the support uh, from from the state government. Uh, also, B- Congress uh, also BJP has a problem because the uh, RLP, uh, which is the uh, rural party, which is which is very strong in in a few districts. So they are now threatening to pull out of the NDA because uh, they, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, of course, the pretext is a farmer agitation, but then uh, the the uh, issue also is that. uh the uh, i mean the the voter base is is quite anti bjp in that sense uh, historically although the 2019 alliance played out well but uh, so both both uh, from an alliance perspective both congress and bjp have an issue but uh, i think overall uh, uh, more food for thought for the congress uh, especially in a strong state right as always so uh moving on real estate sales in the mumbai metropolitan region touched record highs in november Data from the Department of Registration and Stamps uh, showed that the sales jumped by 112% from August to September. Uh, October saw sales touch record highs, higher than those before the pandemic, while November saw the highest number of sales uh, since 2012. The stamp duty on new apartments was slashed from 5% to 2% in September, which seems to have prompted a rise in apartment sales. Ashish, uh, people seem to be spending. Yep, um, seems like the Mumbai uh, real estate is quite uh, quite hot right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, year, I mean, the, 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 almost nine thousand three hundred apartments have been sold uh, till November this year, which is like a nine-year high. Um, the registration in November uh, was seventeen percent higher than October and sixty-seven percent year-on-year, like which is the which is we have been last November. Uh, clearly, the stamp duty cuts by the government have uh, catalyzed this. The the structure is that. There's a three uh, percent reduction from first September till thirty first December this year, and then a two percent reduction between Jan to March next year. And uh, in the current scheme, the other two percent is also being absorbed by the builders in most cases. So basically, there's actually actually there's no stamp duty per se. Uh, plus, there are discounts of ten to fifteen percent. So a lot of people are buying properties which are fifteen to twenty percent lower than their otherwise uh, listed prices in Mumbai, which is like a sharp uh, reduction of prices which people have been asking for for several years. so uh, as such overall uh, the proposition is quite strong for the for the for the buyers um, also the revival carry was not just in november but it started actually way back in june where uh, after the slump in may due to the lockdown uh, i think every month since june has shown an increase uh, of october of course peaked at uh, uh, 7929 units uh, which was the highest uh, uh, till then in the year and the november actually beat that figure so both I mean the the festive season, uh, Dashara as well as Diwali has been pretty strong for the for the for the industry. Uh, the growth in real estate is critical because uh, this is one of the areas of uh, high employment. Uh, this is also where the migrant labor works. So which means if the industry is doing well, then the labor will come back to Mumbai. Uh, so I think all in all, uh, a pretty strong sign for the economy, national economy also in general. Uh, also, there's another proposal in front of the BMC to cut 50% uh, of pre- the premium assess and levies, which are uh, put on the transfer of development rights as well as on the FSI, which is sanctioned for the builders. So uh, this has been agreed in the BMC by all the eight parties which have got seats in the in the in the house. Uh, the state government is yet to approve the proposal because it will lead to some loss of revenue. But nonetheless, if this also comes through, then uh, the 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 project prices will decline further, meaning the input. costs will decline further and there will be more room for discounts uh, offered by the builders so uh, if this continues for another let's say a year or so or six months or so that would be a good uh, studying of the ship of the for the industry and of course will help clear the backlog of inventory uh, in mumbai which will which can then uh, help new projects uh, finally launch get getting launched 
so all in all a good sign of revival for mumbai for the state of maharashtra and for india as a whole awesome uh the karnataka government has removed restrictions on buying farmland the land reforms amendment was passed in the legislative council by 37 votes to 21 nine congress mlas were absent the congress mlas had earlier staged a walkout in september when the bill was tabled saying the bill would destroy the rural economy quote unquote uh the act removes all restrictions on buying land opening up the path for industrialists to directly purchase uh, land from farmers abhishek uh, your farming ambitions are now open to uh, you know the karnataka government has stepped out of the way right yeah so another interesting development uh, stand alone itself it's uh, quite a big change but in the overall overall climate that we have right now uh, in terms of uh, the farmer protests and all this is uh, one more interesting chapter in the whole debate that is happening in the country right so uh, to summarize what these changes do is basically uh, uh, there is this 1961 act uh, called the karnataka land reforms act uh, in which the sale of land to someone sale of agricultural land to another party was very stringently controlled according to the original act your income had to be less than rupees 2 lakhs per year for you to be able to buy farmland that was amended sometime in 2015 to make it an annual income of 25 lakhs right you had to be below that secondly you had to have an occupation of uh, being in the agriculture occupation itself to be able to buy farmland right and then you had to be an in state person right uh, and then there were certain upper cap limits that one person or one family could not uh, have more than x number of acres to themselves right so these are some of the restrictions that are being removed uh, which means that you can be a migrant to the state and still you know purchase land your income need not be lower than 25 lakhs so uh, basically now uh, non farmers and non uh, karnataka people as well so basically uh, also uh techies and more importantly corporates uh, who are getting into the agri business etc can do that can purchase land so of course uh, one of the things which is important uh, is that having such kind of stringent regulations only meant more corruption scope right because then people today also would try to buy but using uh, you know bribing their way to show a family tree in which uh, someone belongs to the state or someone has done agriculture in the past and all those kind of things right or uh, forging an income uh, certificate right so those kind of these kind of regulations end up basically uh, only uh, you know increasing corruption as people try to circumvent around these laws that's one thing the second is of course uh, i would say that uh, i definitely welcome you know opening up this sector to you know more investment and that that should basically lead to better usage of land and so on and farmers too should get you know good prices as per the rates uh, available right of course there is criticism from the opposition but that criticism is kind of part of the standard criticism of any reform that is happening that corporates are bad poor farmers will get exploited and so on i mean you can only counter these with so much because this is all very emotional and rhetorical opposition right but i would say uh, that this is a welcome change 
Okay, fantastic. Moving on to the last bit of news that we want to cover. The NHRCL invited bids for a survey of 2,365 kilometers of high-speed rail lines. Uh, the statement called for bids to conduct ridership study for all new rail lines. The scope of the survey includes data collection and traffic study for public transport in India. The press release also mentioned that the Indian Railways has procured all required clearances from the Ahmedabad Mumbai uh, high-speed rail corridor. Abhishek, we're running out of time. So quick comments from you. Yeah, so six of the routes are going to be part of this 2365 kilometers. And uh, one of the interesting things is that uh, they're going to use what is known as LIDAR, Light Detection and Ranging Survey for some of them. I think it's already been cleared for uh, Delhi Varanasi. So what will happen is you'll have uh, helicopters going around and you know, using uh, those techniques to sort of do a very detailed uh, survey of the land uh, and the tra- routes there. And yeah, using technology, I think the time crunch, the t- project timelines will get crunched significantly. So I think right now only about 180 days has been given. So that's a really fast turnaround time for this initiative. All right, fantastic. So we have a couple of amazing episodes coming up uh, next week. We have uh, Kaushalji and Vedataji talking about the representation of Indian culture in mainstream arts. This was the longest uh, podcast we recorded all of this year. It went on for two hours and it could have well gone on for another two hours, uh, you know, if, if not for the time restrictions that we had uh, that day. Uh, and then uh, Ashish, uh, we have the Bangladesh Liberation War of 1971. I know that you have a deep interest in this as well. So what are you looking forward to? Yeah, uh, I think a lot of stories uh, this war had a lot of, uh, let's say, the uh, smaller segments which were more interesting. I think happened on uh, on 3rd, 4th December, on 11th December, etc. A lot of stories around around those events. So look forward to de- detailing of some of that. Uh, and uh, Mohal is an expert on the military history. So look yeah. forward for his debut on Bharat Varda. Yeah. No, it was amazing. They lent a lot of color and perspective to all of the events that happened. I mean, I don't know who said it, but uh, uh, revolutions look uh, impossible at the beginning and then inevitable at the end. Uh, but there is just so much that happens, right? And uh, Adit and Mohal did a fantastic job of uh, you know, explaining all these various nuances. All right, folks, that's it from us uh, at Paratwarta from Abhishek and Ashish. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, for joining us. Thank you so much for choosing to skip the news and watch the weekly. Uh, so the weekly is uh, a weekly digest of all the news and events. So join us next Sunday as well and uh, hope to see you soon. Take care, stay safe and enjoy yourself.